welcome to the Muddy Puddle Teacher Podcast. This is episode three, and today we've got June O'Sullivan, MBE, Early Years Educator and Specialist, Chief Executive of the London Early Years Foundation. And here she is today to chat all things muddy with us. So hello, June. Hello, Sarah. Thank you for the invitation. Not a problem. So I um, noticed you on Early Years TV with Kathy Brodie. Um, I was also on there chatting to her not long ago um, and I was just absolutely intrigued in you and your thoughts and opinions about early years and I could not wait to get you on. So June, tell us a little bit more about you and what you do and what you've done and what you do now. Um, gosh, um, so <laughs> I, I'm currently the Chief Executive of the London Early Years Foundation and we're the uh, I think we're the largest childcare social enterprise in the UK. Um, and what I do there is I have developed a model which allows us to subsidize over a third of the places for children from disadvantaged backgrounds. It struck me many years ago that it was really unfair that children who benefit the most from really good quality early education haven't got natural access to it. And it's all a bit too random. So I thought, well, if there's a way I could do something and create a model, then um, that would be great. And if we could make it an independent model, that would even be better. So that we weren't dependent on grants or funding or anything where, you know, you, you have to then sort of follow off in different pathways or not be able to plan out over a period of time. So we started with eight to 12 nurseries and now we have 39 and a few more in the pipeline. So um, that's really what we do. And I am blessed to have over 800 wonderful staff, um, all very committed and all of whom worked more or less throughout the whole of the pandemic. Um, and um, we have about four and a half thousand children attending. Wow. Um, and we have also uh, a very, very unique uh, social pedagogy, which has taken me over 10 years to really finesse. Um, and it has seven strands. And these are very important for us because I have written that with the intention of driving quality for children from disadvantaged backgrounds. Yeah. Because some of the quality indicators for those children are slightly different, are need to be deepened, you know? And it seems to me that we have a duty to make sure that children um, from from a really who have a tough start should really be able to access best quality early years. Uh, what are those seven yeah. strands, June? What are those seven strands? So the seven strands really are, the first strand is leadership for excellence. Now, as far as I can see from all of the work I've done, and I've written two books on leadership, leadership is it really, you know, it, and it's not leadership in that sort of sense of the charismatic leader, you know, kind of, you know, sort of for, for forging the way forward with everyone running behind like uh, the Pied Piper of Hamlin but actually the notion of leadership at every level yeah. people sometimes refer to it as distributed leadership um, I'm currently writing a book with Muna Saka from uh, the University of Middlesex about social leadership because we think that actually leadership needs to morph into um, a much more social approach to things and uh, by that it means in a way, understanding the context we operate in now, which is much more around uh, social divisions, social justice, but also social media. So that actually that you're reframing the way um, leadership can look and, and, and can deliver for everybody, but particularly for those who are more challenged. So um, leadership is in one element of leadership is action research, which is 
really how do you create a kind of reflective kind of um, loop really in the way you support your staff so action research could be anything from asking the question is you know are we doing the best outside to um, you know have you read the recent marmot report about you know child obesity and child health and it drives, I think, real good quality because you get people thinking and talking and talking and thinking about what matters. And often people don't think that uh, asking those kind of pedagogical questions is research. But actually, when you frame it for them within a research kind of paradigm, they're really interested and think, oh, yeah, I never I never would have I never would have really seen this. And that's yeah. very important because there's a lot of academic research but it's very distant sometimes from 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 the reality of the practitioner of the teacher of the you know the person in the in the space and for me there's um really interesting work done by chris pascal and her team on praxeological kind of development where you're looking at theory you're looking at research but you're building practice into it and i think it was in 2012 i found a quote from her which said that we were really really stupid actually not to engage practitioners in research because we're missing out a whole kind of layer of opportunity for building quality and that all to me is part that is part of our our strand number one i won't take so long on all the other strands i promise you <laughs> don't worry and the second strand is spiral curriculum and people often think about pedagogy as the means by which you teach and the, the way that children learn and that is entirely true but pedagogy for me is a much broader kind of frame and it's really about how you lead children to learn and that is not just about the way you teach um, and it's not just about the curriculum which are the kind of opportunities experiences routines um, activities and resources that you use to support the learning it's much much richer and deeper than that and I'm really pleased that we're having a pedagogical conversation now more publicly uh, across the sector and I was quite keen on Ofsted's review of their inspection framework to take account yeah. of that, because I don't think till we give confidence to our colleagues and our practitioner colleagues and our teacher colleagues to talk about the very specific and, you know, and frames set of knowledge, understanding and behaviours necessary to drive really good early years practice. Yeah. Uh, unless we use the language and we talk about it all the time, you won't get that sense of ownership or confidence from our from our people. Yeah. And we're not there yet. And I guess this was one of my intentions to really, really push the narrative. So in LEAF now, the staff are very comfortable using the words pedagogy, curriculum. Yeah. They know the difference between the two. And they understand about the pedagogical conversation because it's really coached into them and nurtured yeah. into them. Yeah. And then the third element of our strands are, you know, the environment. I mean, the environment is a, is a teacher in itself. And yeah. so, you know, your point about the outdoors is really yeah. interesting one for me, because I think what's happened is the outdoors has been slightly hijacked. It's been hijacked by the notion that when you're outside, you have a classroom. Well, no, when you're yeah. outside, you're outside. And, you know, to, to kind of in a way... I often go into settings who are very well-meaning, but they've set up outside the area for maths and the area for reading and the area for this and the sort of, you know, the seven EYFS areas. They're almost trying to extend the inside area outside yes. rather than what's all good about outside. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think that's a lack of confidence because when you talk to them, they are not that sure about what they're doing and but they feel that this is what good looks like and they are not brave enough to be able to say the whole point of outside is that children learn 
in a different way outside and that the outside itself has has got its own sort of set of resources and we we don't need to in a way frame that for them we need to give them the sense of uh, and, and it's a whole new area of practice it's a whole new area of practice I mean just reflecting on my own process you know I've had to come out of the classroom to really educate myself about the outside space why it's so different and it's very hard it's very hard to change you almost have to become two teachers one that does the indoor sessions and one that does the outdoor sessions and it's almost like two personalities in a way you really have got to rid yourself of all those indoor things that you did and start doing everything completely differently and that's very hard and it's hard time-wise as well but yeah it's interesting what you mentioned there well that's kind of like that sort of Howard Gardner stuff about multiple learning and multiple um positions and and for us I think um outdoors uh, last year I think it was last year I wrote a book with my my daughter who's a gardener on nursery gardens because I was uh disappointed actually by the um two things one everyone said oh I'm never going to be a gardener I don't know a weed from a flower and yeah. two the lack of uh, appreciation for mud and grass and I've always been against this complete push to um the sort of soft surface and stuff and of yeah. course Rosper would tell you that the increase in children's accidents is is higher because right. now they haven't learned the art of falling and exactly. owning their bodies yeah. and and I think um you know if you talk to someone like Lala Manners about the power of physical development and how children learn using their entire bodies mm-hmm. and that's often the case for boys one of the pieces of research we did recently at LEAF was we noticed, uh, we tracked our boys and noticed they weren't doing so quite so well. And um, we do know that boys learn differently and we do know that boys take longer in some areas than girls and then they catch up and, you know, and and the same with girls needing, you know, other opportunities. Um, and we just created this uh, piece of research led by all the deputies uh, called Boys Outside and rethought the whole way we use the outside yeah to give more freedom, to give more time, because at LEAF, children are encouraged to be outside three hours a day. Yeah. Uh, And uh, parents found that a little bit of a challenge to start with. You know, there is still that fear that if you're outside in the cold, you're going to get sick. So, you know, it does need a lot of conversation about that. Three hours in the day is what we expect to be outside. Um, And if you're with us from eight in the morning till six, three hours isn't isn't huge, you know. Not at all. And I think from a parent perspective as well, I think they like to see their children come home tired. Yeah. I think the more that children are cooped up inside, which we have been because of the pandemic, and well, I think we've all reflected a lot on on how important our outdoor spaces are. I think that's really helped parents, educators, all of us to understand that actually outside is a great space to be in. And if we, the longer we can be in it, the better we tend to be parent-wise, adult-wise, child-wise. Do you agree with that? I'd, I, I would agree. And I think that in our book, Fantastic Ideas for Nursery Gardens, one of the distinctions we made all the way through is that outdoors is and gardening outdoors and experiencing the outdoors is different from activities outdoors. Yeah. And that you have to be very careful about the subtle difference about the the use of it. And I mean, I speak as someone who has 39 nurseries across London. 
of which a number of them have lousy outdoors, are no outdoors. And so for us, it's the question of what does the outdoors mean? And in the, in the case of one of the nurseries in the House of Commons nursery, for example, the outdoors is St. James's Park. And those children are out there and they own that park. And now they've got a little allotment on the park and they know the park keeper and they've developed a whole story. Whereas a, one of my nurseries in, say, Ford Road in Barking and Dagenham has got a fantastic outdoor space. Yeah. But we've used that to build a fire pit and to do all sorts of other things to sort of develop the risk. So, you know, yeah. often people say, oh, but I've only got a bit of, you know, a square of concrete. We yeah. have that. I mean, Soho, our nursery in Soho, has an, has an underground garden. It's in the middle of Soho. And if you know London and you know Soho, it's a very small part of the city. And it's under the ground. And, and Greg and his team there did just do amazing things with the children. And that's, again, literally under the restaurants of Soho. Yeah. Um, and then, um, you know, Marsham Street Nursery has got a roof garden. And yeah. then downstairs we have a small little patch. And so... The excuse that, oh, we haven't got a big enough space or a green enough space or a wide enough space, it really isn't acceptable because I often, I you often have to kind of change it around. I often get people as well that say they've got too much space. Oh, yes, <laughs> I know. Oh, I totally get that. Yeah, and, and it's too overwhelming and it's, it's too this. And yeah. I think what everyone's got to appreciate is that it does take a lot of their own critical thinking. They sometimes want a magic wand, someone to come in and tell them how to use their space. But every single outdoor space and situation is different. And the staff that come with it as well. Um, I always talk to people about your own childhood and, you know, think back how outdoorsy you might have been as a child, which many of us really were. We did. We went out, didn't we? We played outside. Um, and to bring those experiences back in to try and appreciate how important outdoors is to a childhood and to the childhood experience. Um, but yeah. yeah, I agree. I think um, so. So the strand three of our pedagogy is uh, is the environment and outdoors is a central part, yeah. part of that, whether it's a tiny bit of tarmac or whether it's a, you know, half yeah. an, an acre of green. Um, and then the fourth is, of course, the very important things where out, I think outside helps as well. It, it is the harmonious relationship, you yeah. know, where you can form positive, warm engaging yeah. relationships and children learn to negotiate with each other so much yeah. better outside um, because often there's the adult isn't hovering over them are they're not doing a specific uh, planned activity they have to figure out a way of relating to each other solving a problem creating a solution to a den or creating yeah. a space where they have to work through and I think we deprive our children of a lot of that by, over, you know, helicoptering over them or yeah. not really um, giving them enough really trust that they won't be able to figure things out for themselves. Because actually children are very good at figuring things out for themselves. Yeah, exactly. If we stand back and support rather than jump yeah. in all the time and, you know, solve the problem for them um, yes. or take it away from them, which leaves them, I think, slightly deprived, actually, of yeah. kind of human opportunity for 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 relate for figuring out how you make relationships. Because, like play, which is central to uh, the early years thinking, play isn't always an easy process. People think play of that sort of you know the kind of television ads of everyone sort of happily sitting around you know playing together and stuff. But play is a painful process for a lot of children as they figure out 
who they're in and who they're not in and how do they negotiate into a game and how do they get chosen and all of those things are very very sort of kind of character forming and they really have to be given the confidence and the ability to build their ability to be resilient and to figure out those kind of games and rules of the game in a way that uh, they can you know in a way manage them um, so us jumping in every five minutes not help them because uh, they have to do these things on their own when we're not there so toys have a place in that as well I think something I really like about the outdoor space and what I always try and promote is a very natural outdoor space not trying to put too much out there so that the children have to negotiate with each other because the you know the stick is is whatever each one of them creates I think something that I always try and discourage and try and help them with is to try and take that stop putting those indoor toys outside and try and let the children use what they've got because then their social skills are really heightened then and they've really got to use each other to create games and fun. Entirely. And that takes us to the fifth strand of our pedagogy, which is safe, fit and healthy. And I think the whole health and safety kind of narrative has really damaged um, the, uh, the outdoors and the children's freedom, actually. This paranoia about them falling and hurting themselves, yeah. the kind of litigious environment we've allowed to create as parents, as uh, members of society, as citizens, where you know people are very quick to want to sue or to, to point yeah. fingers or complain. And actually, no one's doing any, any child any favor on this. No. So we really push against that. And we have trees and, you know, sort of rocks and wood and... real tools and you know really muddy stuff and all that kind of thing and we have had that for a long time now yeah Uh, to really um in a way build children's ability to be safe by being able to hold a tool properly by being able to manage these kind of things um uh, you know and i think you know in terms of safe and healthy we have not really done ourselves any favors i think we've you know on the continuum of safe fit and healthy we have gone far, far too down there, yeah. safe, safe. And I think that's impacting on the fit. Yeah. I mean, what's the obesity standards at the moment are huge. One in four at the moment of children will leave primary school. And it's actually it's dropping to one in three right now. Um, with all the long-term implications of that, which is um, just crazy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and, the, and also the kind of narrowness of, you know, um, managed play managed um experiences outside no risk around anything it, you know there is no there is no risk factor in a, in someone's life if there's then you you're already removing one of their core essential abilities to judge and, yeah. to and what are the other strands do you think we were? No, so we've got to five. Number six is family, home learning, and you know how you bridge this. And then finally, it's community. It's called we call it multi generational. We've been doing it for about twelve years, and yeah. it's really about reaching in and out of the community. And we didn't choose the term intergenerational for very, very deliberately because that was often perceived as simply the old and the young. Yeah. Whereas we think it's important to have teenagers, um, yeah. you know, every age of people all the way up. And of course, older people, and we have great relationships with people living in local homes and various other things. But it's really about understanding 
that a child is part of the, the whole and there's a journey from when they're little to when they're old. And so we have teens and toddlers and various projects as well as just bringing young people in, you know, from schools who then often stay with us as part of our apprenticeships and yeah. then come to work with us. And we've noticed that particularly around males because we have campaigned for men in childcare for I can't tell you how many years. And uh, we have a high proportion of our own staff who are men, but it's very low, you know, really yeah. <laughs> in terms of the standards. But, you know, the government's t uh, target was something like two to three percent. So, you know, that's a pretty low starting point. Um, yeah. I can definitely exceed that uh, and beyond. But um, and there's loads of colleagues in the sector who are very, very supportive of that and very uh, I think we've we've opened the door of that debate and um, parents have engaged in that debate as well. So I think so they're the strands, uh, you know, leadership for excellence, spiral curriculum, um, enabling environment, harmonious relationships, safe fit and healthy, home learning, bridge and multi-generational. And that really wraps everything we do, uh, every decision we make um, and every process that's across the organisation are wrapped through one of those seven strands. I really, really love those seven strands, June. Really do. That was lovely. And do you know what? Normally I would come and have a separate question now and talk about outdoor learning. But to be honest, it was all entwined in that. And, you know, I think what you've shared with us is going to be really helpful to the Muddy Puddle teachers. Um, before we leave you, um, I went on your website and I noticed that you do you do advertise for people that want to work within your nurseries. Can you just um, tell everybody your website if they are interested you yeah, like and um, also, if you have nothing uh, to do over Christmas, I've just written a new book called The A to Z of Early Years, where we've just done little, because um, people are busy, I've just written it in short chapters, but I've touched on all of the big issues of the day in terms of early years, and you know that outdoors and gardening and child obesity will be amongst those. Absolutely. And then finally, if you are looking for a job, we are recruiting because... Um, the need of small children from disadvantaged backgrounds is growing, not reducing. So yeah. we've certainly been looking to uh, to open nurseries or to support nurseries that may well find it difficult to recover from COVID. And that's likely to be in areas of poverty and deprivation. So if you go on our website um, and log in, we offer it, you know, if you come to work for us, you can start at level one and you can go to level six. We've yeah. got a degree with the University of Wolverhampton and now we've got the top up degree. So if you've got a foundation degree, you can do the top up with us as well. So we're very, very looking forward to people. We like people who like outside. We like people who like natural things. We like people who are a bit risky, a bit more willing to do stuff, get a bit messy, get engaged and yeah. be interested in the, the beautiful art and science of being an early years teacher. Absolutely. Well, thank you ever so much. June. Thank you. And uh, hopefully speak to you again soon. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. Bye now.